What's better than free money? How you choose to spend it, of course. Right now, open a new CQ checking account and we'll give you $250 to spend however you like. Upgrade those headphones, splurge on concert tickets, or maybe upgrade to ad-free streaming. The choice is yours. And extra cash isn't all this credit union offers. Do your banking, build credit, and invest in your future. All with CQ. Visit CQMD.org today. That's S-E-C-U-M-D.org today. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional. Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. It's nine o'clock at his hideaway. The burgers and fries are flown in. There's a con man pacing nervously, watching Fox and retweeting their spin. He says, Sean, can you wear some chicanery? I'm not really sure of the pros. Then I'll send out some tweets to help gen up the heat before I am forced to depose. La 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 diddy da. La la diddy da da dum. He strings them along, he's a callous man. He strings them along for spite Cause they're all in the mood for debauchery And he gets them amped up to fight His lawyers by far are caught in a bind They give him advice for a fee And they're quick with a poke Or to send up some smoke For paychecks that they'll never see He says, hey, I believe they'll be grilling me As he pleads for more help from his base Well, I'm sure that I could be a Russian Tsar If the feds would get out of my face Oh, la, 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 diddy da La, la, diddy da, da, da Now he thinks he's a bona fide populist Who seems to have split from his wife And he's hiding like crazy Some loans that are hazy We hope that he gets ten to life At least And his minions are practicing dirty tricks As most, if not all, have been cloned Yes, they're sharing concerns for their holiness 
and are scared to just stand on their own. He strings them along, he's a callous man. He strings them along for spying. Cause they're all in the mood for debauchery And he gets them amped up to fight huh, It's a verse. pretty sparse <laughs> crowd for a Saturday As he spews out more hatred that's vile Cause he knows those who came all want someone to blame So he picks a new group to defile And his words, they all stick like a barnacle As his pulpit is used to spread fear Yet they stand by this fraud with their view that is flawed And say, man, we are so glad you're here Oh, la, 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 diddy da he strings them along, he's a callous man He strings them along for spy Cause they're all in the mood for debauchery And he gets them amped up to fight That is Don Karen of the Parody Project with a little song for the former guy and his testimony. <laughs> that will be coming. I mean, uh, you know, there are lawsuits um, hovering out there uh, waiting to be heard. Like, you know, the rape trial or the, uh, sorry, it's defamation trial about the rape. You know, all that stuff is all coming up. Don Karen, Parody Project with our kickoff song for this Friday. It's a Friday, thank goodness. So so yesterday, I had a little bit of a booking mix-up. I, You know, when I, I confirmed with um, John Perkins, who was supposed to be here yesterday, and I sent the confirmation, I said, so we're confirmed for Thursday, April 21st. Well, you know, I'm not going to take all the blame because the publicist should have said, well, which is it? Thursday is the 20th or Friday the 21st. But she didn't. And so I'm thinking, well, I said Thursday, but she saw the 21st. So regardless, John Perkins was not here yesterday. He will be here Monday. So that's happening Monday. Because I didn't want to reschedule today's guest because I think it's too important. And it's a perfect topic for a Friday. So here's the deal. A little later in the hour, we're going to speak with one of three, I don't know if he's a professor, but three, um, I I guess they teach a college course, they're professors in my book, three men who teach one of the most popular courses at Yale, did I say Harvard? I meant Yale, at Yale called Life Worth Living, A Guide to What Matters Most. Now look, In this day and age, especially when things are so, what's the technical term, fucked up, we could all use a little help to get into that 
better headspace, if you know what I mean, right? So when I heard about this, I thought, well, good, That's that could be some fun, light reading that could help get us, you know, on a good plane. Well, the book finally got here yesterday. So the book grew out of this course that they teach at Yale, and it's called Life Worth Living, A Guide to What Matters Most. But what I've learned is this is not light, you know, bathroom reading, you know, like the, you know, 101 things you learned in kindergarten or whatever. This is not something that you'll sort of read when you get a moment. This is a really important topic, but it takes work. So we'll sp- we'll speak with Matthew Croasmun, C-R-O-A-S-M-U-N, Croasmun? I guess. Um, so he'll be, he's our guest today. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to him because look, this is something we could all use. You know, as I'm doing the, uh, you know, each morning I produce a newscast. It runs throughout the day on the Progressive Voices channel. It also goes out as a podcast. If you subscribe to my show, to the Nicole Sandler Show podcast, you actually get a twofer. In the morning, you get a copy of What's News. And then in the afternoon, after the show, the live show ends, you you get the podcast. It's all posted on the website as well at NicoleSandler.com. And none of it is behind a paywall because I'm, I run on the old public radio honor system, sort of. Uh, the, the show is here. I do it every day. It's available to anybody who wants to listen for free. You do not have to pay. However... We are listener supported. So if you enjoy the show, if you get something out of it, if you think it's a service worth keeping around and you can afford it, I hope you will um, uh, I, I hope you will donate something. Um, uh, again, you could do a one-time donation. You could do a recurring monthly thing. We could do it via Patreon, PayPal, Stripe, um, buy me a coffee. There's all kinds of different ways to, to, uh, to, um, support the show. And however you do, I really appreciate it. And yes, another way is by supporting our sponsors. Now, you know, I don't have many commercials and I resisted them for the longest time. But the fact of the matter is it's business and I need to bring in some income. So another way to support the show is by purchasing a product we advertise. Like the first advertiser I brought on board was the BlendJet 2. I love the BlendJet. And those of you who are eagle-eyed will notice this is a different different color blender. This is the teal. It's just a, a beautiful teal color. Um, they actually sent, I told you, I left my old blend jet in Allison's car when we went to the beach last weekend. And it was great having um, my smoothie on the way to the beach. I loved it. I just needed to remember to take it with me out of the car when I got out and I didn't. So I've been Blend jet two-less for the last few days and haven't been able to have my afternoon fix of my smoothies. Well, today, what came in the mail was a, another gift from um, the BlendJet people because the one thing that bothered me about the BlendJet 2, they came up with a solution. My problem was that the top, you have to, so it's it's in... It's two pieces, really. It's the it's the blender part, the, the the glass part, and the base part. And you screw the glass part onto the base. You put everything in the glass. It you fill it up. You blend it. Here I'll p- p- push the button. This is my my afternoon coffee pick me up. It's it's coffee with a little bit of chocolate 
protein powder, and a bunch of ice. <laughs> and, and so here's the thing. So, you know, my problem with the old, well, with the, the blend jet too was you'd, you'd have to screw off the top and it's not attached anywhere. And me, I lose everything. And I thought that's, if I could improve on one thing, that's what I would improve on. Well, they beat me to the punch. This is the new cap. I guess I should get the name of the cap. Um, but it is available at blendjet.com. Look under accessories. They've got this new cap. And if you see those of you who are watching on a video, it has a little closure. Well, you don't pull it up. You just push it to the side. It's sort of locked into place. And now you just slide it over and you can either stick a straw in it or you can just drink like that. And then you can close it up again. You'll hear the snap and you can turn it upside down. It doesn't leak or anything. The, the, the only little thing that I had a problem with, they fixed and it's awesome. So what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and order your Blendjet 2 today and be sure to add on this this cap. I, I need to find the name of the cap for you. I promise by Monday, I'll give you the exact name of the cap. I don't recall what it is, but it's the only one. It's a removable cap that, that you know, so you don't have to take the top off. My favorite invention of recent times, my favorite gift to myself, and Mother's Day is coming up in just a few weeks. Hint, hint. So blendjet.com, use the promo code FEEDME12. Feed me 12. You get a 12% discount, free two-day shipping, and um, you can thank me later. And you'll enjoy your smoothie without having to spend 15 bucks uh, at, at Jamba Juice or a ridiculous amount for an icy coffee drink at Starbucks or one of those places. Yes, the one thing that doesn't leak these days. Oh, Chris. Chris in the chat room. That one's for you. Okay, so... I've been thinking all day today, we are waiting to hear from the Supreme Court. This is the weirdest story, you know, about the abortion drug, Mifeprestone. So what happened is this activist judge in Texas, out of the blue, on Good Friday evening, like after this show already ended, so it was after 6 p.m. Eastern, decides that he's going to make his ruling and say this drug that's been FDA approved and on the market without any problems for 23 years, this judge, and I'm doing air quotes thing, without any medical training or scientific background, thinks that it's in within his responsibilities, his rights to say this drug that's been around for 23 years, uh, I don't think it's safe. So I'm going to pull it off the market. Well, hey, Judge Kazmierik, or whatever your name is, who the fuck died and made you king of anything? Sorry, I got Sarah Bareilles on the mind. Anyway, so um, this ruling basically pulled it off the market, except another judge in Washington state said, hold on a minute, buddy. You don't have the right to do this. I'm another judge, and I'm saying I'm staying your order. Screw this. So there was sort of a standoff there. So in comes the Supreme Court because they're going to have to solve this. They're going to have to decide. They were supposed to decide by Wednesday, two days ago, this past Wednesday. And, and that delay until Wednesday was 
was um, put in place by Justice Samuel Alito. Here's where it gets even weirder, because Alito is the judge, the, the justice, the Supreme Court justice, whose signature, who, whose name was on the opinion that overturned Roe v. Wade, that said, you, you like those abortion rights? <laughs> See what we'll do about that. Uh, that was Alito. It was also Alito, I believe, and I'm saying this up front, I believe, I don't have any proof, but I 100% believe that it was Alito who leaked that decision, the Dobbs decision, um, and let uh, the, 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 the parties uh, know that he was overturning Roe v. Wade, that, that the, this opinion, when it came out in a few weeks, would say, <laughs> sorry for your abortion rights that you've had for 50 years. Screw you, women, because, you know, who needs women? Uh, anyway, so the reason I believe Alito leaked it is because we've now found out that he also leaked the, lo- the Hobby Lobby contraception decision a few years earlier. He alerted the people, you know, the Jesus freaks who own Hobby Lobby, who, who sued to say, yeah, we're an employer and we cover a lot of health care insurance expenses for our employees. But because we're Christians, mind you, we don't want to pay for their birth control. So they wanted an exemption to the provision in the Affordable Care Act that said they need to pay, you know, cover that if, if you're an employer and you cover health insurance, you also need to cover contraceptive care for your female employees. And um, when that decision, well, before it came out, but after it had been decided, Justice Alito decided to sort of leak the information to his buddies, the Hobby Lobby gang. So, when it happens again, all you have to do is look at the last time it happened, and there's there's Alito again. I don't trust him for a second. Funny, there's a number of Supreme Court <coughs> justices that I don't trust at all. Alito is one. Clarence Thomas is another. You know, Clarence Thomas is still apparently not saying much publicly. He said regarding the revelations that he was taking millions of dollars worth of um, uh, travel perks from this multi-billionaire super Republican donor, close personal friend of his, who, by the way, wasn't a friend, didn't know him before he was uh, confirmed to be a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, that does not does not make him an old dear friend. Sorry, he's got ulterior motives, Tommy. Anyway, um, so uh, it, uh, um, Clarence Thomas is still apparently saying, I didn't do anything wrong. I asked people. Yeah, his wife, Ginny, is the only person more crooked than he is. And she was making money from the, the Heritage Foundation and all those right-wing groups. She helped get buses for the Stop the Steal nonsense. But on his financial disclosure forms, Clarence Thomas never included the hundreds of thousands of dollars in income she brought in for being a right-wing political activist. It's 
its opposite world. You know, and so we need to keep calling them out and saying, it is not okay, we're not going to stand for this. But the thing is, what leverage do we have? Because shit keeps happening and we get no say. Like the latest, this week, the week began and we saw uh, Dominion voting systems settle with the Fox Not News channel. Even though they said, you know, oh, we're going to hold them accountable. No, they didn't. All they got out of them was money. And granted, they needed money because the, 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 the shit Fox was spewing on their air about Dominion cost them, I'm guessing, a lot of money in business. So they wanted to be made whole again. Problem is, they let us down. They made themselves whole. Uh, you can do an awful lot with $787.5 million. But what about the rest of us who are suffering because Fox puts itself out there, calls it news, and they've got a captive audience of millions of people who believe them when they lie and say they're giving you the news. They don't present news. They make shit up. And there was a collective, what the fuck, when we realized that we were had because we're there in, in Dominion's corner. We're going, yeah, you get them, go get them. Let's have a day in court. And at the end, they're like, we'll just take the money and run. So you know what? It wasn't only you and I who were pissed off that there was no apology, that there was no public admission by these liars who speak to a captive audience of lemmings who hang on every word and think, oh, my Tucker Carlson wouldn't possibly lie to me. Well, you know what that is. Bullshit. It's bullshit because every time Tucker Carlson opens his mouth, it's bullshit. Bullshit. So because of that and because of that disappointment that we felt, I really need to thank both The Daily Show, this week guest hosted by, um, oh God, what's his name? I, I see him. I'm drawing a blank on this. It'll come to me when I'm not thinking of it. But The Daily Show, this week with their guest host of... The guy who does the, uh, the man on the street interviews all the time. And for Stephen Colbert. Why? Because they gave us the apologies that those chicken shits over at Fox wouldn't. So first, from The Daily Show. The Daily Show. And if you don't recognize the voice, it is the one and only fucker Carlson. There's much fallout this evening, and there will be for months. We are admitting that we lied to you for saying the wrong things about the, the 2020 election. Now, why is that? Well, the truth is Donald Trump lost the election. But no, we didn't tell you because we don't care what you think. Now we have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars. We were wrong. We are completely irresponsible, and we're sorry, America. I'm sorry for repeating something that was untrue. I'm sorry, I just gotta take a quick break mm -hmm. and go cry in a closet while squeezing a stuffed animal. Yeah, those were the actual words of, of uh, Tucker Carlson. And uh, the, the Daily Show host this week is Jordan Klepper. Thank you, all you guys got it. I'm just brain fart and it's Friday. So that was nice. Hearing those words come out of Jordan, uh, out, of, out of Tucker Carlson's mouth. But Colbert, they took it a step further and gave us all those Fox bad faith actors, bad actors, spokesmodels and liars um, put 
get had them say the words we all need to hear before we go tonight we want to say we're sorry to dominion and to the american people we here at fox news lied to you about the 2020 election repeatedly and consistently we admit that we are guilty of amplifying those voices insane people like this guy hello i'm mike lindell a guy like this is given a platform because we want to make sure when you're watching fox news and will make you dumber my original my slippers are back in stock please take us off television before we allow <laughs> these crooks to turn our country into dumps big massive dumps <laughs> That that was excellent. And look, as somebody who's done my share of audio and video editing, um, I know that that's that's a lot of work. And I'm so appreciative of them for doing that. Oh, apparently there's a new Tucker AI out there. I I, I don't do the AI thing, except to, you know, screw around with uh, how I have have conversations. Um, So I just found this, and this is important because... um, you know, I don't watch CNN a whole lot these days, but I do see clips from now uh, occasionally. And I saw um, a Jake Tapper speaking with an attorney for Smartmatic. Now, Smartmatic has the next voting machine software company lawsuit against Fox. They also, you know, Fox smeared them. In fact, even in a way bigger than they did uh, Dominion, because Smartmatic had machines in one county, L.A. County. That's it in the in the 2020 election, L.A. County. Yet the people, and I use the term loosely, on Fox were talking about them like they were in cahoots with Dominion in a big plan to steal the election. Well, Smartmatic says... And I have to qualify. They, they're saying this right now that $787 million would not be enough for them to settle. And by the way, they won't just take the money. They want a, a mea culpa. They want those people who appear on the Fox cameras on camera uh, to admit what they did and to apologize. Here's a little bit of Jake Tapper's conversation with this attorney for Smartmatic. They are looking through the vindication of a jury verdict in their favor. They are in this for the long haul. That was their They're intention in for the long haul. when they filed this lawsuit. That is their intention today. But equally important to your question, um, they're in this business for the long haul. We're talking about a company that spent over 20 years building a global reputation as being one of the very best election technology companies in the world and the only company that could serve countries internationally only one mm-hmm. that only reputation one. is critical to them and in order for them to get back to where they were before this all started where they can win the contracts that they're now losing they need to get an apology they need to get a full retraction because they're in that business for the long haul they're not looking to get out of that business they this is a family-owned business that has spent their whole lives building this yeah. okay so, Okay, so so that's the attorney saying, look, they're in this for the long haul. They are not going to just take the money and run. They're going to finish the job that Dominion started. Well, that's all well and good. The problem is that that suit is probably minimum two years away from uh, coming to to ter- to court. So, but they get to start taking depositions and doing discovery and all that. And and so it's going to be another drip, drip, drip of documents. I hope 
that Smartmatic releases them along the way, lets us share in what they discover. Because, frankly, that's one of the few things we've gotten any pleasure out of lately. <laughs> so that's going on. In the meantime, Dominion is also still suing um, Newsmax, OAN, Mike Lindell, the, the pillow guy, and some others. So this is not over yet. Plus, the uh, Donald Trump keeps trying to weasel out of the, the rape case, the, the, the rape defamation case by Eugene Carroll, and the judge is apparently having none of it, although the former guy says he's not going to be in the courtroom for the trial because he's chicken shit. He's just chicken shit. Um, okay. Uh, Robert Naples. Hi. Hey, Nicole. Can I get in on uh, the minion talk? Yeah, please. What's what, what's what are your what what do you want to say? I want to say this. I, I I'm not surprised. We I actually surprised we got this far. I mean, once we figure out discovery and they started getting leaked, you would have thought Fox News would have shut it down a long time ago. Yeah. And just paid them. I mean, I mean, we're lucky to get what we got. And 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 to be honest with you, it's a money. It's a it's a legal printing press that they have at Fox. They're not going to give that away. They're yeah. going to shut it. They're not going to let their 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 their, their best quarterbacks uh, go under the you know the the scrup you know the what's going under the knife no let's under the scrutiny of uh, you know of losing even not that they have integrity but you know they they're not going to jeopardize with the formula it's not new Coke you're going to get a new <laughs> new Coca Cola product right. out of it right. you know it's, it's, uh-huh. I mean we're lucky we got this far and, and and the only thing and my wife brought it to my attention and my wife's a genius and she said listen. Okay, we were the third party to this. Obviously, Dominion is one party, Fox News is the second party, and we, the voters, are are the third party here, right? Mm -hmm. We don't get any satisfaction out of this. You know, we don't know the terms that they actually signed off on in Dominion. We don't know what Fox and Dominion are, 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 you know, are they even in cahoots? Who knows? But what I do know, and my wife said, is that Dominion at this point, since they didn't go to a jury trial, their their product to me is always going to be suspect because why? And she says, I, I said, what do you mean why? She says, she goes, because they made a contract with a person who's already outwardly open and, and, and lying about elections. And, you know, so why would they go into a contract, even though they were, they were wronged by that party? You yeah. know, they, they decided not to go through the jury, but just to say, hey, enough's enough. I want my money. I want out of this. And, 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 and so, you know, if, you, if you're a municipality, you got a question, you know, like if we're going to buy a machine for voting, you got to look twice and say, you know what, the Dominion and Fox, I don't know, they're, they're, they're partners. They, they agreed on something. They made a well, business venture. You yeah, know, well, I, I wouldn't, I would, I would, I wouldn't feel comfortable hey, with anything Robert, with Dominion anymore. I got, yeah, I got, sorry. I got a few words for you. Paper, yeah. ballots, hand counted. Oh, um, that's the way to I'm go. You said that. <laughs> I got your anchor for today. Listen, has anyone ever showed up to the lotto office with a, with a fake ticket? No. Why not have the lotto company make the damn freaking thing, you know? <laughs> and that way you got a paper ballot, okay. and you can actually say, hey, you know what? To entice people to vote, we'll throw in a dollar, everybody. Well, you know, we'll take a <laughs> you could win the lotto. You, with, your, with your ballot, you vote, and you could win the jackpot. That might get people I'm in this country you, to Nicole, vote. Nobody's Think ever showed up with a fake yep. ticket at the lotto office. All right. All right. Robert, I got to run. You have a wonderful weekend because we got to move on and start talking about how to have a great life. So we've talked about this. I told you we're looking, we're looking forward to this interview. By way of introduction, 
I thought, because you know me, I like to I like to play with music. Um, I'm going to share a song with you from one of my favorite artists, Jill Sabule, because it's perfect for this discussion. And on the other side of the song, we'll speak with Matt Kroesman, and I'll ask him how to pronounce his name, uh, one of the three authors of Life Worth Living, A Guide to What Matters Most. You know, I think what we all want is to be able to, at that moment when we know we're, it's, it's over, to be able to have said, it was a good life right? It was a good life. And I'm not talking the Billy Moomy type of good life. I'm talking the Jill Sabule type of good life. Years ago to Los Angeles, and the thing I'm most afraid of is, is earthquakes. And so this is just about a love song about the end of the world. But you know what's taken over from my, uh, number one, from my fear from earthquakes? is bed bugs. I'm just saying. <laughs> so anyway, this is a. I don't want to shift, Joe. They didn't used to, not when I was doing the laundry. Move the capo up, you know. You guys know that. Tomorrow the ground may shake Like they said it was bound to happen one day And the Hollywood sun will fall The final call Well, don't you fret and don't be blue You had me and I had you It was a good life was a good, good life. Tomorrow we could all be gone. When the Russian gangsters sell the bomb and the waves come roaring from the sea, a hundred foot swells over Venice Beach. Well, don't be scared and take my hand. We'll swim into the promised land. It was a good life. It's a good chorus, huh? It was a good, good life. It was a good life. Break out the book. 
Joseph Buell, it was a good life. And, and, and when I first heard about this book, of course, I think musically, and that's the song that came to my mind, because when you're going, when you, the earthquake hits, you know it's the, it's the end of it, you want to be able to look back and say, it was a good life. And so um, there's my intro to welcome our guest to the program. Matt, is it Croas? How do I say your last name? Crosman. Crosman. Oh, so I tried to make it so complicated. Matt Crosman works. That's that's just easy. And Matt Crosman. So you, along with your two co-authors on this book, Life Worth Living, Miroslav Wolf and Ryan McAnally Linz, um, you teach a course at Yale called Life Worth Living, and this is like one of the most popular courses there because you examine what makes a good life. Is that is it that easy? Yeah, I mean, we we find that um, you know students often uh, it's sort of moments of uh, quarter life crisis is about undergraduate time, right? <laughs> and you're starting students are especially at our you know our university a lot of their life to the point before they take our class they've just been trying to break down the wall and find their way to a to a to a top university and then they get to Yale and they look around and they think shoot, was this it? <laughs> what, what, there's gotta be more to life than this. And, um, and so they're excited to, uh, we, we help them read, um, and think alongside a number of the world's, um, religious and philosophical and sort of cultural traditions. And, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a privilege every year to be able to read and think and learn alongside them. Oh, I'll bet. Now, you know, I, I, I think we all bring our own expectations to a topic so when i read about it to be honest i'm i'm a secular jew i don't i i don't have religion in my life i'm i'm not you know i i just don't i don't i don't like organized religion and i don't pray to a god i'm just not that person but i was intrigued by the subject matter life worth living a guide to what matters most because after all that's what we strive for we want to know that we're doing good in the world and we want to know that our life means something and I think happiness at this point in history is is a is something that we're all reaching for and having a hard time finding based on what's happening around us. So I love that you have a course at Yale about having a good life, about a life worth living. And so I find out that you and your two co-authors, the, the, the two people that you teach this course with, are all... Uh, part of the religious world and in fact the center at Yale that you are the director of is is the center for what's it called uh I work at the yeah the center for faith and culture I direct the life worth living program there and yeah it's a it's a Christian theological research center um we're trying to you know Thomas Aquinas back uh, way back when said that theology is the study of God and uh, the study of all things in relation to God so we're trying to think about um that means theology, I think it isn't just like a uh, a particular set of topics to think about, but it's instead a way of potentially trying to think about any potential topic. Mm-hmm. And when you take all the important things in life and put them together, that topic, we think, is something like 
a vision of a good life, a vision of flourishing life um, for for all of us, the kind of life that we would want for ourselves, for our communities, uh, young people we care about, the world as a whole. Right. And 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 I appreciated that I started re I opened it up and went to the introduction. And the introduction is titled This Book Might Wreck Your Life. That's not wait, but what that's exactly the opposite of what I expected to see when I opened the book. How is it going to wreck my life? Well, um, you know, it, de- it depends. Uh, uh, the, the point is to say, you know, we each live a life that um, maybe we haven't reflected on that much. Uh, maybe we've bought a bill of goods that's been sold to us by um, a particular, um, you know, uh, political context, cultural context, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I was I was raised in the wealthy suburbs of uh, north of Chicago. I was raised on a vision of, of that a good life was a life where you had as much power and money and prestige as possible. Um, now I was really raised in a religious uh, household, but in some of the religious communities that I was in, that just meant you're still trying to get as much power and prestige and money as possible, but you had to do it, you know, while being a good person, which meant while having one arm tied behind your back or something like that. So we've all been given some sort, whatever our sort of default vision is, um, it's it's there. And for me, at least for me personally, you know, that vision of life at some point just started to look sort of uh, hollow at its core. And and I think that's often what happens to us when we pause and actually take these questions seriously. We find that the vision of life that we've been living maybe actually isn't worth pursuing in the first place. And so from the point of view of our original life, um, our, our new life that we find looks like it's wrecked the old one. Um, hmm. We've turned away from the things that we thought were so, so valuable. Um, but I think, you know, uh, from the from the point of view looking back, um, I think for uh, for many people across different cultures and religions and traditions, um, they've had those sort of pivotal changes. But when they look back on them, um, it wrecked the old life, but it it left um, a new, more meaningful, more valuable life in its wake. Gotcha. It it allows you to look at things differently than you've been raised to look at them. So maybe not wreck your life, but it will change your life. Uh, It'll wreck that old life. Right, the old (laughs) life. Um, And I also appreciated the fact that in the introduction, which I later learned that you guys are all, you know, Christians and you are in the theological world, but you start with the story of the Buddha, how he started as Siddhartha and became Buddha. You talk about the original Pope and Jesus. You talk about... Um, uh, Ida B. Wells. So you're bringing very disparate people with different backgrounds and different religious beliefs to show this is not about religion. It's not about organized religion. In fact, most of your students are of different faiths and backgrounds and, and maybe some like me are secular people, but still want to live by the teachings that say you'd be a good person to have a good life. Most of our students are are secular. Um, They don't identify with any particular um, religious community, uh, certainly not uh, organized religion. Some of them do, but most of them don't. Um, But, you know, these questions, they're not religious questions. They're human questions. As you were saying in your introduction, each one of us, we we need to we have to answer these questions for ourselves. We have to know um, somehow. when whenever the final curtain drops, as you were saying, right, um, we we want to have some sort of sense that in the final accounting, um, we've made good use of our lives. We've um, 
to use some theological language here, we've we've stewarded that responsibility, that opportunity well. We've left the world maybe better than than it was when we found it. We've done our our best to uh, to invest in what we think matters most. Well, we um, hope and- that's where we wind up because a lot of people don't fit that bill. And and sadly, you know, as someone who uh, comments on the 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 socio political nature of our world in this country right. right now, I see a lot of people who proclaim to be great Christians whose actions are anything but Christ like. So. Nicole. You are you you are absolutely right, and um, I mean that that saddens me. Uh, I mean, honestly, I mean that that's just a reality for anybody in my religious community. I feel like uh, it it's it's really hard to to look at what's being done, um, you know, uh, in in the name of Jesus, in the name of of Christianity, that is so contrary to the teachings of Christ. You're absolutely right. It's really terrible, and the, and and I think that is going to further push the movement of young people away from the church because they're teaching the wrong things. So I like that you're doing this. You're teaching young people. It's about spirituality, not religion. It's about, Mm. you know, I've said this many times as this atheist Jew, I'm more Christian than a lot of these evangelicals who, who scream (laughs) about their Christianity. And yet they're, you know, they want to, uh, they want to ostracize young people for questioning their sexuality. I mean, it's just, Mm. it makes no sense. But so, Matt, you talk about the the question, asking the question or the questions um, in the book. You refer to the question. And I kept waiting. It's OK. Where's the question? Well, there isn't just one question. Is that the is that the message? How does this it's, all work? Yeah, I mean, the question has maybe a lot of synonyms. It comes in a lot of forms. You know, uh, what is what makes life most worth living or what sort of life is worthy of our shared humanity? Or maybe even to try to open it wider than just the matter of of the human. What is the shape of flourishing life, not just for human beings, but for all the living, um, uh, the the living beings with whom we share this planet and this world? Um, so the the question sort of comes in. Um, I don't know. It has like lots of versions to it, lots of ways mm-hmm. of putting it. But no matter how you state it, I think that big question is too big, too big for us to wrestle with um, all at once. And so we sort of um, give this advice in the book to, and this is what we found with our students is we really need to break it up um, and sort of uh, take it in different sorts of pieces. And there's sort of these sub questions that we spend some time in each chapter trying to talk about. There's still really big questions like who do we answer to or mm-hmm. um, how should a good life feel or what should we hope for? And those are not simple questions, but they're maybe a little bit more manageable and we can um, begin to sort of make some headway there. Right. So so the book, uh, Life Worth Living, A Guide to What Matters Most, this grew out of directly out of the course that you guys teach at Yale. And is it broken up? See, when I, I, I read the pitch on the book, I'm like, oh, this sounds great. Yes, I want to do this. And I'm thinking... I don't, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be sort of like, you know, good bathroom reading. It'll be like the, you know, the thousand things I learned in kindergarten and, and with advice for a good, this is not that. This is really, it it will entail work. You want a life worth living. It, it takes some work as do most things that mean anything. So you have the chapter, you float a question, you open the discussion. And then at the end of the each chapter, 
basically it's our turn to to yeah. do some writing and thinking and reflecting. That's why it's not just a bathroom book. You you need to get in and work with this in order to see results. Well, yeah, I mean, in that uh, you're exactly right. It's a great description of what we're up to in in the book. You know, we sort of imagine um, the book being something like our seminar table that we have at, at the college, where it's a sort of seminar table that's maybe sort of trying to it's breaking the rules of space and time, right? You're sitting around that around that table with the Buddha and with Ida B. Wells and with James Baldwin and with all of these various different characters. Um, and but then at the end of the day, just as you say, look, if if you were to if I were to give you a book, um, I could give you a book that ha- gave you my answers to these to these questions. But my hunch is those won't those won't be your answers. Right, my answers um, will be different from yours because we yeah, come ultimately from a different place. we each need to wrestle with these questions on our own, um, and that means uh, there's not a book that you can pick up off the shelf that's going to tell you what to think. Um, we're trying to help you think with each question. Um, what are the stakes of this question? Why is it worth thinking about? What's a little bit of the sort of the lay of the land of different sorts of um, options or answers that have been lived and proposed by folks, uh, again, across history and around the world. Um, but yeah, the, ultimately, it ends with each one of us taking our responsibility for our own lives and and, and choosing um, uh, doing that discernment work to figure out what we think really matters most and where we want to invest our lives. And as anybody who's been in therapy knows, when you start asking these deep questions and making and really making yourself go deep and 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 really think and think these things through and come up with answers, it's work. It's not and it's not always pleasant. But one of one of your chapters is called um, "When Life Hurts." And you and, you know, look, when you're talking about life, life embodies all these things, happiness and joy, but also a lot of pain. And you say that pain is a necessary part of it. Well, it's it's certainly an inevitable part of it. And um, and because it's inevitable, um, we probably ought to at least consider, um, well, at least two things. Um, How can we. Um, what kind of responsibility do we have to help one another, to alleviate one another's suffering? If there are causes of suffering, and I know, um, you know, with many of the things you talk about on this show, that's that's what a lot of the policy questions that you're concerned yeah. about are driving at, that's right? right? Can we can we redesign a system here that's going to cause um, fewer gun deaths? That's going to cause you know fewer children suffering in poverty, um, and so that's that's maybe the one thing that we really need to do when we think about suffering um, in in terms of a good life. But the other thing, as you say, is that you know there's there's suffering that we can manage or suffering that we can try to 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 alleviate or uh, alleviate or avoid. But then there's suffering that we can't that we can't avoid, and it's just suffering that we have to figure out how to li- how to live with. Um, how to maybe make some sense of, or maybe figure out what to do if we decide that at the end of the day, there's some suffering that just can't be explained. Um, you know, the rabbis say in Pirkei Avot, maybe at the end of the day, the it is not for us to to understand the um, the flourishing of the wicked or the suffering of the righteous. Um, maybe there's just there's just some things in this life that we can't understand. But even if you opt for that option, that sort of, you know, opt for mystery, even that is a choice and it takes some sort of deliberate wrestling. You know, another voice in those chapters that we deal with that I've, I found, I find so helpful here is James Baldwin's where he says, you know, so much of the pain that we've experienced in this country 
is caused by, um, he's thinking especially about racial pain, mm-hmm. caused by white people trying to use their power to secure themselves against the possibility of pain. And he said that's unreasonable in this world. And 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 that sort of securing oneself against pain can actually be the the, the cause of causing all kinds of other people so much pain because we're trying to sort of insulate ourselves from something that's inevitable and just sort of part of living in this world. Well, you know, I I live in Florida and this state is under attack from the government. Who and this guy, the governor, is. I believe is a sociopath because his latest thing and his personal vendetta against Disney because they didn't like a piece of his legislation. Now he's talking about undoing this deal that's been in place for 50 years that there's not a problem with and maybe to punish them, put a state prison on the land next to Disney World. What is wrong with this man? There's nothing. And and again, I'll use the, the term as sort of a an adverb there's nothing or an adjective there's nothing christian about him though he professes to be and thinks that needs to be our you know national religion which we don't have one so you know um the, the, i mentioned before the chapter when life hurts and then as you mentioned the next chapter is called and there's no fixing it so yeah. this is part of it we have to learn how to deal with it because part of the pain i think when people perceive their life as not going well is the inability to deal with the the shit that life gives you right because we're going to come up with uh, against stuff like this living in florida i can't help it everywhere i turn i'm seeing bad stuff happening all around me the the question is how do i deal with it part of me want is ready to leave and we're planning on that but the other part is while i'm here stand and fight against it because that will make me feel like i'm doing something positive yeah well and that's that um that's that's what's in that 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 first chapter you know when it hurts it's i think our our first move is we need to um consider seriously what kind of um opportunity um what kind of agency do we have in order to make life better for for ourselves but also certainly for for others and especially for for those who have um uh who are who are on the margins those who have less power to to advocate um for themselves um and and that's i think that wherever those where those opportunities show up i think there's also responsibility that comes with it for us to say okay well if i can do something about this then that's pretty close to saying i should do something about yeah, it right yeah. although the shoulda the should and could are also important questions. We, I think we need to stop with the shoulds and mm. see what we could and what what will work for us. I, I lived in that shoulda, woulda, coulda world for a long time. I still do, but it's one of those things that I'm, it's, it's work. It's just like answering the questions at the end of each chapter, you have your turn. So for yeah. instance, the chapter titled Change is Hard, because yeah. we know it is, um, you ask four questions. And so are these questions that in your class you would have break out into small groups and have discussions on? Is that is that how it all works? Largely, that's where these kinds of questions come from. And, and you know, one of those those questions that we're thinking about at that part of the book is really related to what you just what you just said. Right. Because we can live under the burden of a should. And, you know, hey, I'm a theologian. So at some level, should is part of my world. Right? <laughs> um, oughts even are part of my world. But, you know, there's there's often a big gap between what we feel that we should do, maybe what we're even fully convinced we ought to do 
but we still don't do it. And, 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 and why, right? And that's one of the questions that we're wrestling with there. And many of the, the ancient um, sort of wisdom traditions um, propose to us that, that there's a missing link. It's not just like, oh, you figure something out and then all you need is good strategies to go put it into action. There's a missing step between our sort of our, our, our heads and our hands, and that's our hearts, right? What do we actually want to do? I think we want to be um, uh, we, we won't, we won't just want to live our lives never ending under this weight of should doing what we don't actually, uh, we don't actually want to do, but we only feel that we should. And so the ancient, um, traditions invite us to engage in certain sorts of disciplines that help form our desires so that the good that we feel that we ought to do, we in fact want to do, and then we can really live in that sort of flow because our desires have been aligned and now, um, you know, helping our, our our neighbors, caring for our communities. Those aren't just things that we feel like, oh, I, I got to do this because I really feel that I should. But we've sort of, we've aligned our, our desires and our hopes and our, it's actually what we wake up in the morning wanting to do. And those, I think, are the most powerful moments in our lives when all those things are aligned. Absolutely. And, and I got to tell you how I'm so glad you teach this course and that you've now put it in a, a book form so that others can do it. And in fact, on your website, the website is um, uh, life. Uh, what is it? Life worth living book.com life worth living book.com. You even have like a lesson plan that people can download. Um, you suggest maybe reading this with a friend or a book club so that you can have the discussions. Cause I would imagine it's a lot more rewarding when, instead of when you get to your turn, you just writing things out, then you sit with a group of people that you like and trust and can share these ideas. Yeah. You know, the most gratifying part of this whole thing for me teaching this class has been to see the kind of community that can be formed, not necessarily around shared answers, but around shared questions, mm. right? And this possibility of just saying, I mean, you and I, right, we, right now we've been having these conversations. Sounds like we, we probably have some pretty different answers sure. at, at, different, at different points here and there, right? Um, but But there's something really valuable and lively about these conversations that are built around shared questions. And so that's really our hope for this. It's not just that folks would pick up the book and read it, but they would read it together, um, that they would get to know their, uh, whoever's in that group together, I, you will get to know them in ways that you really couldn't hardly any other way, other than really talking about what matters most to you, where your deep intuitions are on some of life's most important questions. Um, and so, yeah, we're, I'm, as excited I am for folks to just pick up the book, I'm even more excited for folks to pick up the book and read it together. Yeah, well, people have book clubs. This is a perfect book for your book club. It's much better to do something like this than read some novel that, you know, did she or didn't she? Did she love him? Did they go to bed? This could change your life for the better. So um, uh, let me suggest that for a book club. Uh, sure, my husband's here. He likes to chime in every now and then. He's working out in the other room listening. And yes, David. Hi, Professor. Uh, first of all, what part of uh, Chicago did you come from? I had roommates from Buffalo Grove, no Northbrook, Skokie, Evanston, Deerfield, uh, you name it. Um, all right, Northbrook is, is, is real and, close. I grew um, up in Glenview. Always liked that part of town as long as I wasn't there in the wintertime. He's Fair a weather enough. wimp. Okay, question. So one of my favorite professors in college was a defrocked priest um, by the name of Fred Zahn. Um, and he told us that one of the first days of class, he said, my job is not to teach you what to think. My job is to teach you how to think. And he said, teaching you what to think is indoctrination. Teaching you how to think is education. And I think that's what you're 
getting mm-hmm. at here, but Definitely. you kind of, both of you have been circling around it, which is why I was absolutely forced <laughs> to come in here and clarify things. So you're welcome, Nicole. Sure. Thank you, David. You know, the thing that I was thinking is, you know, in especially what's happening in education down here and a lot of places around the country, they are taking away that critical thinking element. They're, they're keeping kids from asking the questions. Here in Florida, what went through this week is they already had a law in place that you couldn't talk about gender identity or sexuality through third grade. Now they've extended it through high school, through 12th grade. Well, if you don't let kids talk about it, they're going to keep it in. They're going to look shit up on the internet, which is not the way to, they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to know to ask the questions because they're going to be told that asking the questions is wrong. And it's, it's the opposite of what we should be learning. And that's why I'm so heartened by the fact that this is a college course and you're, these young people are being taught to think critically and to open their minds and to ask the really difficult questions. For what it's worth, I actually think that that's, that's what's at the heart for me of any sort of faith life as well that's worth that's sort of worth its salt is a, is a life that's able to put questions at the core. Um, and, and so, yeah, you, you, you've captured it quite right. Trying to, trying to invite folks. We're going to, we have to do our own work here. We have to do our own reflection. We hope we can, again, just help sort of point the way to some voices worth interacting with, um, think learning, uh, teaching to think rather than what to think. Um, that's, that, that's exactly right. Well, this is, it's, it's a great book. And, um, this also would make a wonderful gift. Maybe, for, you know, we, we tend to give our kids who are graduating, um, uh, oh, the places you'll see by Dr. Seuss. Well, this is, you know, that's all well and good. This will actually have them thinking and, and hopefully open a lot of dialogues. And that's where we need to be at this point. Uh, Matthew Crossum, Crossman, uh, thank you so much. I, I'm I'm really impressed. I'm so glad you did this, and and best of luck with the book. I think uh, you should find a very huge audience, especially now with what this country is going through. This should be required reading in Washington D.C. By the way. Well, thank you so much. I'm and thank you for the ways that you've uh, described what we're, what we're up to. I think we're we have some common cause here, without a doubt. Matt, thanks so much. It was great meeting you. I really appreciate it. You coming on today. Likewise. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. You see, and that's how you start a weekend. That's how you end a week with something good to think about, a little bit of music, a little bit of comedy, a good smoothie. (laughs) And again, um, food for thought. The minute we stop thinking and just listen to what they're telling us, we've lost. You need to think. You need to challenge not only the people around you, but yourself. Because sometimes we're so dug in, we've got all the answers. Well, I'll tell you what, no, we don't. And the minute we realize that, you know, I reached out to somebody I worked with about 25 years ago in Los Angeles, uh, because I need a webmaster for this new thing I'm building. And she was our webmaster at this radio station. And she's on to other things. And she's, she said to me, I don't even know, I, I wouldn't even know what to do on a website today. Well, that's great. But the other thing she said was, boy, back then, I thought I knew everything. And she apologized. She's like, if I, if I, you know, I was young and thought I had all the answers and obviously I didn't. So it's nice to catch up with you again now, all these years later. So anyway, uh, get the book if, if you're into questioning these things at all and thinking 
how do I know? Or do if you worry that when the the earthquake hits or when the Hollywood sign collapses and you know that it's ending, how do you look back on it? And I'll, you know, echo Jill Sobule. It was a good life. A good, good life. All right. With that, we're done. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go out and enjoy. Enjoy. The weather's getting nice. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy the music. Tomorrow's Earth Day. Go do something to heal the planet. Um, Tomorrow's also something else. Oh, it's Record Store Day. If you're a music lover, go find a record store near you because on Record Store Day, they release all these special vinyl pressings of either classics or some bands actually release new records that are just for this day. It's a great way to support independent record stores if they still exist and support your favorite musicians too. All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll be back here. See you Monday. Uh, Same time, same place, same, well, different attitude, maybe. All right. I'll leave you with the news. I'll see you Monday. Thanks again, everyone. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. We've got problems here. According to the Gun Violence Archive, there have already been 166 mass shootings in 2023 alone. I'm recording this What's News segment on Friday, April 21st, the 111th day of the year, 166 mass shootings already. And this week, we saw multiple examples of people getting shot for making an ordinary mistake. To recap, in Kansas City, 16-year-old Ralph Yarl was shot for ringing the wrong doorbell. In New York, 20-year-old Kaylin Gillis was shot and killed for being in a car that mistakenly pulled into the wrong driveway. In Texas, 18-year-old cheerleader Peyton Washington was shot for mistakenly getting into the wrong car. And now this. Six-year-old Kinsley White was shot because a basketball rolled into the wrong yard. This last one was in North Carolina where a 24-year-old man who had just moved into the neighborhood a few weeks earlier yelled at the kids who went to retrieve a basketball that had rolled into his yard. One of the kids told his father, who then went to the guy's house and said something to the effect of, stop cussing my kid out. If you've got a problem, come to me and we can work it out. The shooter then walked inside, came out with a gun and opened fire at the neighbors, wounding six-year-old Kinsley White, who was hit in the cheek and had nothing to do with the basketball game. The family was simply outside grilling and Kinsley was riding her bicycle when she was hit by one of the shooter's bullets. The little girl talking to a local TV station about what happened said, quote, I couldn't get inside in time, so he shot my daddy in the back. There's nowhere safe anymore. We're also now getting new details out of Louisville, Kentucky, where the shooter who killed five co-workers at a bank this month left notes that revealed part of his goal was to show how easy it was in this country for someone dealing with a serious mental illness to buy an assault-style weapon. In this case, the gunman bought the AR-15-style rifle seven days before he went on a shooting, killing rampage on April 10th. Thankfully, some states are working to address this horrific gun violence problem, most notably Michigan, where Governor Gretchen Whitmer recently signed a package of expansive gun violence prevention bills into law. They'll create universal background checks for all firearms and mandate safe storage requirements. 
Turns out this is the most significant gun reform package in decades. And then there's Washington State. The legislature there on Thursday passed a ban on dozens of semi-automatic rifles. Governor Jay Inslee is expected to sign the bill into law. This law would prohibit the sale, distribution, manufacture, and import of AR-15s, AK-47s, and more than 50 other similar rifles. In recent years, those are the weapons that have been used in a series of deadly mass shootings around the country. Republican state lawmakers oppose the restrictions, saying they violate gun rights protected by the state and federal constitutions. Hey, how about our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Something that's impossible when these morons are running around with weapons of war and taking lives indiscriminately. So there are a few places where progress is happening, but then there are other states like Florida, where the governor here just signed a measure that will allow Florida residents to carry concealed weapons without any kind of permit, registration, training, regulation. You get the idea. We're doomed. So the Supreme Court is expected to hand down some sort of decision before the end of the day today, Friday, leading into the weekend, about the abortion pill, Mifepristone. This after Justice Alito twice postponed the deadline for the decision. Now we're learning that the judge who issued the ban, Matthew Kaczmarek, failed to disclose two 2014 interviews on Christian talk radio in which he blames no-fault divorce and, quote, permissive contraception policies for the, quote, sexual revolution during his confirmation process. If that doesn't disgust you enough, while we're on the subject of Republican men sticking their noses into the private lives and bodies of women, let's look at North Dakota, where their Republican governor, Doug Burgum, signed a bill this week banning gender-affirming care for most minors. In a statement to CNN, the North Dakota governor said the bill is, quote, aimed at protecting children from the life-altering ramifications of gender reassignment surgeries. But it's not only surgeries that this legislation bars. It also prohibits providers from prescribing puberty-blocking medication and hormone therapies to minors for the purpose of gender transition. Healthcare professionals who violate this law could face Class B felony charges punishable by up to 10 years in prison or a fine of $20,000. Similar laws restricting access to healthcare services for transgender youth were enacted earlier this month in Indiana and Idaho. The entire House Republican Caucus on Thursday voted and passed a bill seeking to bar transgender athletes from competing in women's and girls' school sports. The Senate will not take up the legislation, and even if it did, the White House says President Biden would veto it. Well, Saturday is Earth Day, and this matters because there's a climate crisis. Scientists say we can still avoid the worst consequences, but the world is on the brink of catastrophic warming. So let's take care of this planet. Remember, there is no planet B. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and The Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on one of those donate buttons. 